Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved. How are you doing? I pray that you're well. I wasn't with you yesterday um, because we had some kind of technical problem, um, but I'm happy to be with you today. I was with you yesterday in a rerun, and it, it was it played for Ash Wednesday, my goodness. Um, maybe some of you uh, appreciated that because you have been discouraged that you haven't really begun your Lent. It's never too late to begin. <clears throat> You can always start over every single day we begin again. Every single day is the beginning of forever. Don't ever let failures uh, get you down. I've got tons of them. My, my specialty, the only thing I know how to do really well is not to give up because we have so much to live for and we have the one who gave his life for us to live for above all. So don't ever be discouraged if you don't do what you've planned to do, or you do things poorly, or you forget, or you deliberately decide, never mind next year, don't do it. Today is the perfect day to begin. I'll begin with you. And we are beginning today in Archbishop Fulton Sheen's book, Victory Over Vice, um, on uh, the fourth word Hold on now. The fourth fourth word of the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if you've not joined us for the earlier reading, the first three chapters, um, Bishop Sheen has written that it was the seven deadly sins that put our Lord on the cross. The seven deadly sins that put him on the cross. And so he has taken one, each of the deadly sins, and attached it to one of the seven last words of our Lord on the cross. And today, it's the fourth word of our Lord on the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Um, I know many of you, uh, many of us fallen human beings, may feel at times, uh, even many times, forsaken by God. He has promised he will never forsake us. He will never leave us or forsake us. It is we, through grave sin, who forsake him. But he will never forsake us. And yet, God the Father forsook his son on the cross. Uh, Book of Hebrews says he was tempted in all things as we, yet without sin. Our Lord knows everything that it means to be human except sin. Except sin. And the deadly sin that um, uh, Archbishop Sheen has attached to this fourth word, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me, is the sin of pride. It's the root of all sin, pride. It has an I right in the middle, P-R-I-D-E, and so does sin have an I right in the middle. The sin of pride is focused on I. And Bishop Sheen writes this, Pride is an inordinate love of one's own excellence.
excellence, either of body or mind or the unlawful pleasure we derive from thinking we have no superiors. Pride being swollen egotism. It erects the human soul into a separate center of origin apart from God, exaggerates its own importance, and becomes a world in and for itself. All other sins are evil deeds, but pride insinuates itself even unto good works to destroy and slay them. For that reason, sacred sacred scripture says, pride goeth before destruction. Pride manifests itself in many forms. Atheism, which is a denial of our dependence on God, our creator, a denial of our dependence on God, our creator, and our final end. It manifests itself in in intellectual vanity, which makes minds unteachable because they think they know all there is to know. In superficiality, which judges others by their clothes, their account, and um, their accent, and their bank account. Snobbery, which sneers at inferiors as the earmark of its own superiority. They're not one of us. They're not of our set. Vainglory, which prompts some Catholic parents to refuse to send their boys and girls to Catholic colleges because they would there associate only with the children of carpenters. Presumptuousness which inclines a man to seek honors and positions quite beyond his capacity. And finally, pride manifests itself in exaggerated sensitiveness, which makes one incapable of moral improvements because of unwillingness to hear one's own faults. Pride it was that made Satan fall from heaven and man fall from grace. By its very nature, such undue self-exaltation would be cured only by self-humiliation. That is why he, our Lord, who might have been born in a palace by the Tiber, as befitting his majesty as the Son of God, chose to appear before men in a stable as a child wrapped in swaddling bands. Added to this humility of his birth was the humility of his profession, a carpenter in an obscure village of Nazareth, whose name was a reproach among the great. Remember that? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Just as today... There are those who sneer at the humble walks of life. So too, there were then those who who sneered. Excuse me a moment. Who sneered, quote, is this not the carpenter's son, end quote. There was also the humility of his actions, for never once did he work a miracle in his own behalf, 
not even to supply himself with a place to lay his head. Humility of example there was, too, when on Holy Thursday night, he, who is the Lord of heaven and earth, girds himself with a towel, gets down on his knees, and with basin and water, washes the 24 calloused feet of his apostles, saying, quote, The servant is not greater than his Lord. If I then, being your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, end quote. Finally, there was humility of precept. Unless you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the supreme humiliation of all was the number, the manner of his death, the manner of death he chose, for he humbled himself even to the death of the cross. To atone for the false pride of ancestry, he thrusts aside the consolation of divinity. For pride of popularity, he is laughed to scorn as he hangs cursed upon a tree. For pride of snobbery, he is put in the company of thieves. For pride of wealth, he is denied even the ownership of his own deathbed. For pride of flesh, he was scourged until there was no beauty in him. For pride, for pride in influential friends, he is forgotten even by those whom he cured. For pride of power, he is weak and abandoned. For pride of those who surrender God and their faith, he is, he wills to feel without God, as he did on the cross. For all of the egotism, false independence, and atheism, he now offers satisfaction by surrendering the joys and consolations of his divine nature. Because proud men forgot God, he permits himself to feel godlessness. And it breaks his heart in the saddest of all cries, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There is union even in the separation, but they are the words of desolation uttered that we might never be without consolation. Two lessons emerge from this word. Glory not in ourselves, for God resists the proud, and glory in humility, for humility is truth, and the path to truth is greatness. Oh, beloved, this Archbishop Sheen, I certainly hope he is canonized. Every sentence from his mouth is gold. The insight, the wisdom, and the reason he attributes to all of that is that he had vowed to God that he would never miss a holy hour every single day. He never missed a holy hour before the Blessed Sacrament. We have such good uh, saints to 
urge us on, the cloud of witnesses, to say don't give up. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustain Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. the St. Thomas More House of Prayer and discover the prayer that will change your life. The St. Thomas More House of Prayer is a Catholic retreat center dedicated to praying and promoting the Liturgy of the Hours, the prayer of the Church. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed each day, starting with the Office of Readings at 5.30 a.m. and ending with night prayer at 8 o'clock p.m. So whether you're an individual or a group, schedule your visit today. Go to liturgyofthehours.org or call 814-676-1910. That's 814-676-1910. We would love to help you experience the Liturgy of the Hours and discover the prayer that will change your life. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live, and we are right in the middle of a chapter on the vice of pride of uh, connected to our Lord's fourth word on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And we continue now. <clears throat> why should we be proud? As St. Paul reminds us, what hast thou that thou hast not received? And if thou hast received, why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Is it our voice, our wealth, our beauty, our talents of which we are proud? But what are these but gifts of God, any one of which he taught to he might revoke this second? From a maternal, I'm so sorry, from a material point of view, we are worth so little. Listen to this. The content of a human body is equivalent to as much iron as there is in a nail as much sugar as there is in two lumps, as much oil as there is in seven bars of soap, as much phosphorus as there is in 22,000 matches, and as much magnesium as it takes to develop one photograph. 
in all, the human body, chemically, is worth just a few dollars. Oh, why should the spirit of mortal be proud? But spiritually, we are worth more than the universe. For, our Lord says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and suffer the loss of his soul? Oh, what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? God resists the proud. The Pharisee who praised his own good deeds at the forefront of the temple is condemned. The poor publican in the rear of the temple who calls himself a sinner and strikes his breast in a plea for pardon goes to his house justified. The harlots and the publicans who are conscious of their sin enter the kingdom of heaven before the scribes and the Pharisees who are conscious of their righteousness. The heavenly father is asked for concealing his wisdom, is thanked. The heavenly father is thanked for concealing his wisdom from the self-wise and the conscious intellectuals and for revealing it to the simple. Quote, I confess to thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hidden these things from the wise and prudent and has revealed them to little ones. End quote. Surely anyone who has had experience with the proud will bear witness to the truth of this statement. If my own eternal salvation were conditioned upon saving the soul of one self-wise man who prided himself on his learning, or 100 of the most morally corrupt men and women, women of the streets, I would choose the easier task of converting the hundred. Nothing is more difficult to conquer in all the world than intellectual pride. If battleships could be lined with it instead of with armor, no shell could ever pierce it. This is easy to understand, for if a man thinks he knows it all, there is nothing left for him to know, not even what God might tell him. If the soul is filled to the brim with the ego, there is no place left for God. If a vessel is filled with water, it cannot also be filled with oil. So it is with the soul. God can give his truth and life only to those who have emptied themselves. We must create a vacuum in our own souls to make room for grace we live under the impression that we do more than we actually do. Take, for example, the simple fact of drinking liquid through a straw. We erroneously believe that we draw up the liquid through the straw. We do not. For strictly speaking, there is no such thing as suction. All that we do is create a vacuum. The atmosphere presses down on the liquid with a weight equal to that of an ocean covering the earth to a depth of 34 feet. My goodness, where did he get those facts? But I believe him. It is this pressure that pushes the liquid up through the straw when we create the vacuum. So too, in our spiritual lives, the good we accomplish is not through the action of ourselves as much as it is through the spiritual pressure 
of God's grace. All we have to do is create a vacuum to count ourselves as nothing. And immediately, God fills the soul with his power and truth. The paradox of apostolate, then, is this. The less we think we are, the more good we do. It was only when Peter had labored all night and taken nothing that our Lord filled his boat with the miraculous draught of fishes. The higher the building, the deeper the fountain, the greater the virtue, the more the humility. God's instruments for good in the world are, for that reason, the only, only the humble. I'll read that again. God's instruments for good in the world, for that reason, are, for that reason, only the humble. Reducing themselves to zero, they leave room for infinity. Whereas those who think themselves infinite, God leaves with their little zero. Even in the world, we find a natural basis for humility. As long as we are small, everything else seems big. A boy mounts a broomstick that is no more than four feet long, yet to him it is a um, pegasus traveling through space. He can hear the hoofs beating the clouds as he clings to the whirling mane of every wind. His world is peopled with giants because he's so little. Tin soldiers to him are real and soldiers fighting real battles. And the red of the carpet is the blood of the battlefield. When he grows to be a big man, the giants shrink in size. The horses become broomsticks, and the soldiers are painted tin no more than three inches high. In the spiritual order, it is the same. As long as there is a God who is wiser than we, greater than we, more powerful than we, then the world is a house of wonders. Truth, then, is something so vast that not even an eternity can sound its depths. Love, then, is so abiding that an eternity can sound... Oops, I, I, I read that wrong. Love, then, is so abiding that not even heaven can dull its ecstasies. Goodness becomes so profound that thanks must ever be on one's lips. But just forget God, make yourself a God, and then your little learning is your title to omniscience. Then the saints become for you stupid fools, the martyrs, fanatics, the religious, dumb, confession, a priestly invention, the Eucharist, a vestige of paganism, heaven, a childish fantasy, fantasy, a childish I'm so sorry. Heaven becomes a childish fancy and truth a delusion. It must be wonderful to know so much, but it must be terrible to find out in the end that one really knows so little. The second lesson to be derived from this fourth word on the cross is that humility is truth. 
Humility is not an underestimation of your talents or gifts or powers, nor is it their exaggeration. A man who is six feet tall is not humble if he says he's only five feet four inches tall, just as he is not humble if he says he is seven feet tall. Humility is truth, or the recognition of, of gifts as gifts, false as false. Humility is dependence on God, as pride is independence of him. It was that sense of independence, or being without God, which wrung out of the heart of our Lord on the cross, this pitiable cry of abandonment. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The humble soul, the humble soul, conscious of his dependence on God, is always the thankful soul. How many singers, orators, musicians, actors, doctors, and professors ever think of thanking God for the special talents that made them outstanding in their profession? Out of the ten lepers who were made clean, only one remained to give thanks. Were not ten made clean? And where are the nine, our Lord said. That statement probably represents the proportion of the ungrateful who thank not because they are not humble. The humble soul will always avoid praising his own good works and thus making void the virtues of his deed. Self-praise devours merit, and those who have done good things to be seen by men and who trumpet their philanthropies in the marketplace will one day hear the saddest words of the tongue on pen, or the tongue or pen, thou hast already had thy reward. The humble man, even if he is great in the world's eyes, will esteem himself less than others, for he will always suspect that their intentional great, their internal greatness may for um, may far overreach. I'll read that again. I'm so sorry when I mess these things up. Let me start again. The humble man, even if he is great in the world's eyes will esteem himself less than others, for he will always suspect that their internal greatness may far overreach his magnificent external greatness. He will therefore not flaunt his accidental superiority before his fellow man, for to do so is to prove one is not truly great. The really big men are the humble men. They are always approachable, kind, and understanding. Oh dear, I tried not to interrupt the reading so that I could finish this little chapter on pride, but we have more. And when we come back, we'll take your calls, your emails, your texts, uh, with anything on your heart, and we'll complete the chapter on pride tomorrow. Feel free to call in. Our lines are wide open. 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back.
praise be to Jesus. Hi, this is Joe McLean, host of the Catholic Drive Time Morning Show, joining you on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network each weekday morning at 7 a.m. We'll keep you informed and inspired with insightful guests and breaking news stories of the day. That's the Catholic Drive Time, weekday morning, 7 a.m. on the Station of the Cross and the iCatholic Radio app. We'll see you then. May God love you. We offer several ways to view our programming grid, including at our website, thestationofthecross.com, and on our iCatholic Radio app. Just click the menu icon in the top left portion of our app and select the link to our programming grid. That's at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. The future of the family is grim. As Our Lady of Fatima said, the final battle will be for the family. It truly seems as though we're in the heat of this final battle and we need your help. Our mission at LifeSite News is to educate and activate readers with the information they need to defend life and the family and restore Christian culture. We are currently the most popular pro-life website on the internet with over 40 million unique users every year. And we've been experiencing an even bigger reach than ever this year. But we need your help to reach more of the 7.7 billion people on earth if we are to truly succeed in changing the culture. Please consider donating to help our mission of promoting the culture of life and fearless defenders of the faith like Mother Miriam. Visit give.lifesite.news.com to give today. Thank you for your support. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. I think... Hold on, let me make a little adjustment here. One moment. Hello, hello, hello. I think I turned the volume up too much. I'm not sure. Um, but I'll keep talking. Okay. Uh, okay, that's good. Um, so, um, welcome to Mother Miriam Live. All these little changes and technical things throw me off. Um, you are welcome to call in with anything on your heart, one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Our lines are right open, wide open now. Um, I'm going to take an email from someone who writes in anonymously <clears throat> and says, I would like to know where I can connect with other like-minded Republican ca- Catholics who are practicing their faith. I had attended a Catholic elementary school and a Catholic high school for two of my four high school years, but I do not feel that I ever truly learned Catholicism and how to practice my faith and how to walk with God. My goodness. I bet that's representative of many. I want to be a better Catholic Christian. I want to mingle with others who are walking with God. I feel that when I go to church for Sunday service, when I go, 
that there is no networking after Mass or getting to know each other. We go to church, we sit through Mass, and then we leave. Maybe I haven't found the right church. We're all, where are all the Catholics? Are they in Beloit, Kansas? They certainly are. <laughs> Congratulations on your move to Beloit, Kansas. Thanks so much, dear one. Where or how can I restart living my Catholic faith and receiving an education about the Bible and my faith? I have felt lost for years. I want to come home. I want to belong. I want Catholic friends to talk with and to share thoughts with and to just hang out with. I don't have any family or friends where I live. Thank you warmly and kindly, Mother Miriam, for all that you do to inspire us. Well, God bless you. And yes, I invite you to move to Beloit. There are plenty of places to live, jobs to be had. Come. If you're looking to move to Beloit, just send me an email and I'll pass you on to a very wonderful gentleman named Andrew who has invited anybody who's looking to come here and needs a job or a place to live to simply come. Email me um, and I will pass you on to Andrew. It's very wonderful. In the interim, I wonder, number one, uh, there may be another Catholic church for you to go to. I don't know. Um, But uh, you're... Um, Catholics throughout all the years never went to church to socialize, to, um, to have fellowship. They never did. When Catholics went to church, the church went to church. The church, uh, believers, children of God went to worship Christ, not their social settings, their fellowship. That was all uh, at each other's homes. The family is so broken down today that so many look for that identity, that fellowship, that belonging, all of that at the parish. And if the parish doesn't necessarily have it, then they think it's a cold parish, which it is not. People go to worship God, not to fellowship, um, which is what should happen. Um, So you may or may not find that at church. I think you will, because there's many ministries at church that you might be able to get involved in, and you'll meet people there. Um, There's two things I'll suggest, though. Um, If you have maybe a couple of friends with you or anybody, you can become um, an oblate of our um, religious community, uh, Benedictine Oblate of the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope, go to our website and um, click on Mary's Oblates, and you can download the form to become an Oblate and mail it in, and we will send you a commentary for the Oblates of Mary and uh, a daily rule of life. Uh, you'll begin to read scripture, uh, all of that. So that's one thing. And if you could at least find one other person to do it with you, you could meet and have that fellowship. I don't know where you are. Uh, your city or state is not identified, so I cannot um, tell you that. But um, uh, what else was I thinking? Uh, in our next newsletter, I think I'm going to title it what are we to believe or to think or to do, something like that. And I'm going to put uh, magnificent resources for Catholics to learn the scriptures, to learn the Bible, to learn the word of God, 
to learn the entire catechism, to learn the Catholic faith. It will be in our next newsletter. Um, I was going to tell you all about Beloit in our next newsletter, but there's more pressing things we need in this day and age to know how to live our faith, um, how to be true witnesses in this world that's turned from God and not be alone. And so, um, um, again, I don't know what church you go to. Uh, You might try a different church. Um, You might try a Latin parish uh, where people tremendously support one another. Um, Or you might find out what ministries uh, there are in, in your own parish and maybe become active. Or think of what it is you love to do. Reach out with your life. That's the greatest way for solving loneliness and all of that is to cater to others, to serve others who are lonely. Try reaching out to the homeless, to the poor, to um, homes for abandoned children, uh, abandoned teenagers. Try that, and you'll be with like-minded people then who are also serving them. We have Pamela on the line. Hi, Pamela. Hi. Hi, sweetheart. How are you? Hi, I'm hanging in there. Okay. All right, sweetie. Do you have a question, honey? Yes. What is um, it? This pastor lady is, um, this pastor, she's a Pentecostal preacher, and she gets on the radio every um, every Sunday morning between 7.30 and 8 o'clock. She gets on the radio, and she, she about, I say about a year and a half ago, I was listening to the radio. Every Sunday I listened to her. And I could explain some of the things she was saying, and it pertained to me. It pertained to me only. Mm. And it's not nothing nice and not nothing nice. She oh, my goodness. She stopped my life. She, she what? She stopped my life. She huh? stopped your life? Uh-huh. She stopped my life. Got me living isolated. I live by myself, and I'm isolated. Nobody <laughs> comes to my house. I don't, I, I don't see... I stopped seeing my friends and family. I only see a couple of them once in a while. I see them once in a while, but I don't see them every day. Pamela, Pamela, sweetheart, let me ask you, does this Pentecostal woman know you personally? No. How do you know she was talking about you? Because um, she was reading out my sins. She didn't say my name. She didn't say my name. She didn't. She just said she used the devil. The devil. I come to cast out devils. I come. Yes, to cast sweetheart. Out but devils. she doesn't know you, right? No, right. Well, she don't. But Pamela, I tell you what, sweetheart. Maybe uh, you found yourself in some of what she was saying, if she was naming sins and you found that you had some of those sins, I'm going to tell you that a million people listening would have had those sins too. It wouldn't have been just you. It's the nature of the human race because we're fallen and we have sins that we have to struggle with and overcome. It wouldn't be just you, sweetheart. It would mean that all her listeners, maybe hundreds of thousands, would feel that she was talking about them. You see what I mean? 
I know, I know it's me. It's me. It's me and me only because nobody else is living like me. Nobody else is living. Nobody else have the concerns and complaints that I have. And I don't, well, you know, I, I'm out of sin. I haven't sinned. I have my sin and um, sin been wiped out of my life for years now. So you mean she was talking? She was life. talking about then. She was talking about what you used to be, right? Uh huh. So if she's not talking about what you are now, because sins have been wiped out of your life, then you should rejoice in that. To say, Lord, yeah. I used to be that. Just like Jesus said to all of us, he said homosexuals and murderers and slanderers and all of those won't enter the kingdom of heaven. But St. Paul said, so were some of you, past tense. But now you are cleaned, you are sanctified. Uh, you no longer live in those sins, you're free. Mm-hmm. You see, sweetheart, it's not what you are, it's what you were. So if she was talking about you, she was talking about someone who's forgiven. Did you ever confess your sins to God, Pamela? Yes, yes, time after time. And has he forgiven you? Um, yeah, I need him, I need him to tell me that. I need him to tell me that. How is he going to tell you, sweetheart? How? How would he tell you? I mean, I, I, if he forgave me, I, I, I mean, I need he need I need him to tell me that. I, I, how would he tell me? Um, because mm, that's a hard one. That is Pamela, now, but I, I have the answer for you. I have an answer, sweetheart. Are you a Pentecostal yourself? Yeah. All right, and you go, you've been going to the some Protestant church all your life, sweetheart. Yeah. Okay. Um, let me let me uh, tell you this, and you can you can think about it a while, sweetheart. Number one, you know how our Lord says in the gospel in the, in His letter, rather Saint John's letter of First John, um, if we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us for all, from all righteousness, right? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. He is that, I'm, I was a, a Protestant evangelical Pamela for 18 years, and I come from a Jewish background, and I gave my life to Jesus, asked him into my heart. My life was changed for 18 years. I tried to save Catholics. But one day God just put something through my heart to make me look into the Catholic Church. And I did, honey. And I found out that our Lord established one church, not 40,000 denominations. He established one church. I found out it was the Catholic Church. I thought the Catholic Church was Satan's system, but I found out it's not. I found out that Satan wants everybody to think that because he's against God and against truth but that the Catholic Church is the church Christ established. When he established the Catholic Church, Pamela, he established his priesthood. Um, And through an ordained priesthood, there is, and the bishops, there is succession of the apostles from the first century on. 
from one to another to another to another to the bishops today. And the bishops ordain priests, and the priests are given the gift, the spiritual gift, the anointing to forgive sins. Only God forgives sins, but he forgives them through the men, the priests he ordains, not through anyone else. Pamela, sweetheart, there's the music for our break. Can you hold on till after the break? Yeah. All right, hold on, honey, hold on. We'll be right back, everyone. Don't go away. Um, again, you're welcome to call in, just as Pamela did, toll-free, 1-877-511-5483, or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. Stay on, Pamela. We'll be right back. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is at a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Podcasts of our network-produced shows are free for your listening pleasure at thestationofthecross.com and on our free iCatholic Radio app for Android and Apple mobile devices. Be uplifted in your faith and inspired to spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Listen today at thestationofthecross.com or on our iCatholic Radio mobile app. Beloved, this is Mother Miriam. How would you like to wake up each morning to inspiring sermons from knowledgeable and faith-filled priests? You can tune in to Sermons for Everyday Living every day at 6 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. You can listen on thestationofthecross.com or anytime on the free iCatholic Radio mobile app. God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live um, we are on the line with Pamela. Are you there, dear sister? Yes. I'm so glad you held on, honey. Can you? Uh, would you mind letting me know um, where? I'm thinking that maybe um, I could put you together with someone who could really help you. 
um, if I know someone in your area, would you mind letting me know the city or state you're in? You don't uh-huh. need to. Yeah, uh, Rochester, New York. Oh, good for you. Rochester, New York. You know, um, that's quite near. Well, not quite near. Um, uh, the, the Station of the Cross comes from Buffalo. But I do know that there are many people in Rochester who would love to help you. I'd have to look, I'd have to look them up or call them. Um, if you, uh, Pamela, sweetheart, if you, I don't want you to give me your personal phone number, anything over the air, but if you uh, would be okay with this, you can give your phone number to the call screener on the program, just as you called in, speak to that same person. You can give your phone number to the call screener, and um, the call screener can give it to me, and I will look up some good people in Rochester, and if you wish, I'll ask them to call you. Only if you wish that, sweetheart, if it would help you. These are Catholic people, and do you remember when... Uh, our Lord rose from the dead, and he came right through the wall. The, the disciples were huddled in the upper room, and our Lord came right through the wall. He said, Shalom, peace be with you. And um, he said, um, and they were all afraid, right? Because they didn't know that he was risen. They heard these stories, but they didn't believe it. And do you remember that? He came right through the wall to talk to them. Mm-hmm. Yes, and because that's the time that, remember, doubting Thomas didn't believe, and Jesus said, Thomas, come here and put your hand in my side and be believing, and Thomas did that, and he fell on his knees, and he said, my Lord and my God, and he believed for the first time. And the Gospel of John, sweetheart, um, I'll read the very account because it's important for you. In John chapter 20, starting at verse 19, when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, that's the evening of the day our Lord rose from the dead. And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after he had said this, he Um, showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Now listen to this one, Pamela. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he said this, he breathed on them. That's his disciples in the upper room. He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. And it is the Catholic Church, dear Pamela, not Christianity in general, not invisible Christianity, but the Catholic Church. Catholic means one, universal. The Catholic Church that our Lord established, the 40,000 denominations that came from the Reformation came 1,500 years later, and they are breakoffs from the Catholic Church, and they broke away because they denied one or more truths of the Catholic Church. But our Lord founded his church on the 12 apostles and, and prophets, and he made them priests, and he said he gave them the power 
to forgive sins. Only in the Catholic Church can you really know your sins are forgiven. You can ask God to forgive you, and you can hope he's forgiven you, but as you say yourself, how can you know that? But when you go to a priest of the Catholic Church, it is God who forgives sins through that priest. And when the priest says, I absolve you from your sins, you are absolved, and you know it because you hear the words of the Lord through that priest. Does any of that make sense, Pamela? Yeah, yeah. Do the it, priests, um, how, how can you identify, do, how can you identify, do, do they, you got to give them your name or something? And then they'll well, tell you whether you're sin. No, honey, what you would do is go meet with that priest. And even though you've confessed your sins directly to God, um, the sins you have that you want to be sure are forgiven, you want to know it, you would tell them to that priest. It's like telling them to Jesus, only he's there through his priest. You would confess to the priest your sins, and you would let that priest tell you that you're forgiven. You need, with a heart of humility, which it sounds to me that you have, you would need to go to the priest. You'd say, I'm not Catholic, but I wonder if you'd help me. I want to be able to confess my sins. The priest will help you. And he might help you if you ask him, even to understand what it means to be Catholic. And then you'll be in the church God established. Mm -hmm. There are no Pentecostal women preachers in the Catholic Church, sweetheart, because God has ordained men to forgive sins and men to be priests. Mm -hmm. If you're open to that, honey, I I do know people in Rochester, and as soon as the program ends, I will call them and if you leave the call screener on the Station of the Cross, your phone number, uh, it won't be given out. It'll only be given to me. And then I'll call people that I know in Rochester and just one at a time and ask them if they can call you. If you want to leave your address as well, then I could find someone who's closer to you, but you don't need to do that. As you know, They'll be in Rochester and they could call you. And you can give them your address if you wish to. But how would they? How would they get her um, off of me? Because my mother said this same person was she was on her one time and said she called up this lady. She called some spiritual lady. I don't know what kind of lady she. She called up a lady, and the lady said, "Well, well, who the old lady is?" And my mother said the lady got her off of her. She got her off of her, and she started living her life, her life. Oh, her life I see it, sweetheart. You're, you're talking about deliverance of spirits. Okay. Um, a priest can help you with that also, sweetheart. A priest can help you. If you would let me help you by asking someone in Rochester who is Catholic to come and help you, to bring you to a priest who can help you with all that, I would love to do it. I would love to do it because God does not want you to be struggling with bad spirits. He does not want you to not know you're forgiven. He does not want you to be isolated and living alone. He does not, sweetheart. That's the and devil. That's another, not God. And another thing. Yeah. Um, this, um, I'm, I'm under a mental health. I'm under a mental health um, 
I don't have a mental illness, and I know I don't have a mental Everybody that know me know I don't have a mental illness. Good. These people been saying for years, they've been saying for years that um, I'm paranoid schizophrenic, paranoid schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. They, they got on my doctor's, on my paper. At, when I go to the doctor, they they, they got this on the paper, par, she's paranoid schizophrenic. And Pamela, sweetheart, I know, honey. Let me let me interrupt you because we have about ten seconds because that's the closing music for the program. Um, there's someone who can help you, and his name is Jesus, through his Catholic Church. Um, many people suffer with spirits, and they're not paranoid schizophrenic. You may be very right in what you're saying, but a good holy priest needs to help you. Leave your number, sweetheart, with the call screener, and I'll go to work this morning for you. All right, honey? Uh-huh. Okay, sweetheart. And call in again. We're at the end of our program now. Leave your number, and I'll be in touch. God bless you.